<laughs> hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and we are steamrolling this week, bringing you some kind of fun highlight over your weekend, and I don't know, some pleasurable fun times, because the person I'm speaking to right now, we, we could have just had the show off air, because I would have enjoyed that anyway, because I love speaking to her, she's fun. Uh, the one and only Kat, I'm not even going to try and pronounce your surname, Stanek. Stancic, yeah, Stancic. good job. God damn it. <laughs> Fine. I don't care. You didn't give me any clues for where it was from. I just made it up. Um, but Kat is freaking awesome. I fucking love her. She's brilliant to have on the show. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe the show as you can. And let's kick start right away with our sponsor call because I will forget that. Head on over to actionincubator.com to actually see a badass do her thing. And more important, more importantly, Cat's been around behind the scenes for absolutely years. Like I'd say well over a decade. I think it is over a decade. It's probably 15 years uh, by the time I remember. Um, but she's literally been around everyone and anyone you could think of, just as I have. We've been sat behind the scenes, seeing everything that's there. And she's picked up a lot of their information, built her own businesses, helped other people build their businesses. So essentially someone you can super trust and know what they're fucking doing. Um, and also the show is sponsored by greatestcopywriterlife.com. Head on over, pick up your story selling Matrix Blueprint and go pick up some kick-ass stories, tell them in a better way and more importantly, get people to buy from you because your stories aren't the same as everyone else's. All right, let's kickstart this right away. Kat, I don't know what my first question is going to be today. It's just really going to come at me. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Cool. And for the one troll that said, this show is nothing more than self-promotion. Of course it is. It's my fucking show. Um, no, we're just going to be asking her a bunch of questions. So I want to know the answers to them. And we're going to jump off right, the, right from the beginning. Uh, complete left field for you on this one. What do you see is really going on with the whole pattern with email list building? Because it's becoming almost not impossible, but it's becoming very difficult to find other ad places other than the social media channels. And all the social media channels are hating on anyone that does anything with let's build a list. Yeah, you know, I think that the back in the day, I just feel like so old. Wow. Wait, when, when was your way back day? when when the internet wait, was invented? Wait, wait, when's your back in the day? I'm curious on this one. Right. So I get this because I look relatively young. Um, so my back in the day is let's say ten years ago. No, no, wait, two thousand and what though? Eleven. Um, so I can't do mental math. Yeah. So 2011. So okay, like, well, okay. So my back in the day is older than your back in the day. Then. Yeah. Cause I'm like okay, 2008 so, class of 08 bitches. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. But what I'm trying to do is fast forward a little bit into where internet marketing started really being established. People were oh. leveraging, leveraging strategy. It wasn't like, She's Oh, what's this right Facebook now. thing? Kind oh, of, I'm right. getting schooled. Is that what's happening here? Right, right. You're getting, <laughs> getting schooled, schooled on my own show. Sit down. <laughs> um, I, am up. <laughs> I, I am set down. <laughs> Anyway, no, sorry, just just no, jumping no, no, in, totally. but keep going. So we're looking at, you know, what what could you do before? Before you could just say, hey, this is what I do, buy from me. And people were like, okay, and they would just throw their credit card number at you. And that thus was born bro marketing. <laughs> so that, that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is all there used to be. You never had anything. I was a terrible copywriter. <laughs> right. I mean, like it was just new and people would opt in very easily. And they were like, yeah, I want to know the 10 secrets to making a million dollars in 24 hours. Yeah. And people started getting annoyed and frustrated because the delivery wasn't always there. So what happened? We started as internet marketers getting more savvy, started creating funnels and steps and upsells and downsells, right? And so what I think is, is that kind of when you have someone yelling in your face all the time, you become, you know, 
deaf to it essentially. And so you're really just kind of keeping your head down, just trying to do your thing. And what is marketing, but trying to get someone's attention. So now people are purposefully turning off their attention. So what can we do? And it's where I think where everything's going in terms of list building, it's the quality, not the quantity. So when someone throws out, they have a 50,000 person list. I actually think less of that person than I do of someone who says they have a 1500 person list. The reason being is that the person who has a 50,000 person list probably has a majority of tire kickers and freebie seekers because they were easy opt-ins that aren't ever really going to buy. And I don't want those. I curate my list all the time. I'm constantly cleaning it. And so, you know, there's that list shame size thing. Like I don't have that. What I'll say is, Hey, my list is smaller, but it's got better people on it. People yep. who are looking to actually grow their business, who are making investments and who are looking for that next thing. And it may not be from me. So looking at other people who have that quality in their business, and that's how you do effective cross-pollination. Oh, I agree entirely on that one. And just to take it back even further than that, just to give you guys an idea of market sophistication, when I was coming up as a copywriter on like 0809, that time period, here's an actual, I think it was like it did 120 grand on, no, it did way more than that. It did half a million on launch and went on to do like, a, a, basically did over seven figures a year. Uh, as an offer because it was one of the best offers on ClickBank, blogging to the bank, if anyone remembers it. Um, the headline for that was just like, let me show you how I am, how I'm easily extracting seven figures a year, uh, blogging only three times a week to an audience that loves my stuff. And that sold because the market was just like, holy shit. And also competition was different back then. Mm. Like building a blog was simple, but you had to have a little bit of savvy. Now you have other people's platforms to actually leverage off of quite quickly. But anyway, going off of that, I agree. And if you have like a big mailing list and actually you kind of helped me with that one. Cause I've always been like slightly shameful. Like oh, I have a tiny list. I don't really mail them that often. Like I should really get back to doing that, which I have been doing curating. Did they say that it's not the size that matters? <laughs> it is, it's like, it's really not. It's the quality in this sense. Um, as a guy, it's the delivery, the delivery. Um, but yeah, I always like look at it this way. Like, uh, Justin, Justin Goff actually did this really, really well as an experimental, if you can look at it, is he built an entire list. I think it was less than a thousand people on this mailing list. Now it's like bigger than it was. But from that thousand people, he was extracting seven figures a year off that 1,000 person mailing list because it was all curated for, mm. high, um, for high paying clients. It was yeah. like 100% all high paying. Well, not all, but like majoritarily high paying. Um, and it was beautifully well done and structured. So my curiosity too is like, how do you now stand out with your freebie? Because I have a theory on this um, and there is an opt-in template that you can use that actually works really, really fucking well. But I have a theory on how to get people onto a mailing list uh, that works, but I don't have enough data points to actually prove against it. So I'm curious from your side, what do you think works? So I think it has everything to do with connection and relationship and conversation. So I think a lot of people, and I don't think this has ever changed, but I think more people are becoming more and more aware of it, or um, I don't know, there's just more of a consciousness in terms of the effort of it, which is at the end of the day, what the, one of the golden rules is people buy from people. But how I like to talk about it, it's not that people buy from people, people buy from people who have the same values. Yes. Right. And so that's, it's not just personality. It's not that you're showing up with funky glasses or glitter sweaters, or, you know, that you've got some bucket on your head and you use that same picture over and over again. You know, that it's not that, that gimmick, right. It's. Uh, I'm going to just say one thing, unless you're Lord Buckethead, he's the only one allowed to do that. 
Right. So, but I see these things of, you know, and I get the strategy, which is repeat, 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 just change up your figure, your pictures. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, how are you demonstrating? So you're the after to someone's before. And a lot of people don't own that power. They're constantly doing the comparisonitis. I'm not this, I'm not that. I should be blah, 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 blah. Stop, be where you are, continue to evolve and let people be inspired by who you are. Meaning share your values, share your highs, share your lows, decide where that personal and private line is. Share the personal, don't go to the private and really look at, you know, it, it really ties into everything. How do you get more buyers? How do you get more people on your list? How do you get more people in your audience? How do you get more people showing up? You need to do it first. Yep. You need to show up. You need to be visible. You need to be seen. They need to get to know, like, and trust you, not so they can buy from you, just so that they'll continue to consume your information and nurture themselves up to a buying decision. Okay. So that leads me to a really interesting question. You and I have had this discussion when I was on your show, and that is around the idea of being completely, not shy, but being Hmm. How do I put this? It's it's three symptoms in particular because I do know I, I've hit two of these in the past and one I'm still dealing with. Uh, one of them is that I don't know what to post online, so I don't really have anything worthy of saying. That's question one. Question two is okay, you've got past the shyness. You're now posting a lot of the stuff. How do you actually get it out there so other people hear in? Because like you can be talking about it, but if you're speaking in a quiet echo chamber, it doesn't really get anywhere. And number three is how do you like how do you keep going once basically a lot of the stuff that you've done has either been pillaged, stolen, or more importantly, it's just like now you like you're just not getting any credit for anything that you do. Like it's just you put it up and it's like oh that's cool. Like how um, do you keep reinventing from that place? And again, the third one I only say because uh, you and I have had this discussion. Yeah, times <laughs> it's so fun when someone steals your stuff. <laughs> so fun. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Can never explain it. it. Or steals your idea, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, here's the thing. We're not in an industry where that's unique. Like, yeah. you know, I think one of the industries where I've seen the clap back a lot is with photographers and being like, give me credit for the picture kind of thing. And I'm like, mad respect. Like yep. uh, that uh, kind of answers number three in a way, right? Which is don't let your get yourself get steamrolled. Not you, obviously, Adele, but other yeah, people out there. I've like, don't just <laughs> sit there and think that you're defeated. Here's the thing. Consistency of message leads to consistency in every area of business that you're looking for. So consistency in action equates to consistency in revenue and, you know, list building, all the things, whatever, whatever your KPIs are, right? So if you have a message and you have an ownership of something, then it's a matter of continuing to repeat it and you write the history. Um, when it comes to what to post, I think we both absolutely agree on this, which is it's your stories, yep. right? Like that's the one thing no one can duplicate. No one can take your story. Now I've actually seen people try. I've actually had someone try to actually stole my story. And I was like, there's no way that's yours. <laughs> like that's actually quite unique to me, but it won't come off because they won't know the nuances and things like that. And at yeah. the end of the day, it's really about just swim in your fucking lane. Stop worrying about what person X is doing on your right and what person Y is doing on your left. Keep going forward and understand that there's a current of people behind you following. Yeah. You know. Oh, by the way, just going to jump in here for just a quick second side note on this because you because you brought something up earlier. I didn't uh, address it right away. I just remembered. Um, it's this idea of who you are as the after. Mm. Like, because I have like I kind of went from the whole I'm comparing myself to everyone to like I'm content with who I am, but I just don't know where I'm speaking to. Mm. Believe it or not, you just solved that issue for me right now while I'm talking to you by going, wait, no, of course, I've got like a bunch of people that follow me that say stuff. I'm going to ask them what they enjoy and then just start talking about that a little bit more. 
Um, because yeah. that's my echo chamber. I just don't ask these questions. I just get asked them whenever they want them. And I'm like, I can tell this to a bunch of stuff. Anyway, that's huge. Anyone else struggling with that? Sit down and actually go backwards. Speak to your audience. Write down what their answers are and find out how you can put it out there a little bit more. I'm going to shut up. Please keep going. No, I love it. I mean, it's what I talk about with my clients too, which is what? I, how do you get into your client's head? Because that's the conversation. That's the content you want to be posting. How do you get into their head without a technical degree? you haven't, you do an MRI, right? So this is market research interviews. So write that down make sure you're doing them. If you are not attracting your ideal clients, then you're not talking about the conversation that they're having in their head. So we walk by people all the time. How are you doing? I'm fine. We've all experienced that person who kind of broke down in front of us and you're like, I don't know what's going on, but you need to not do that. (laughs) Then you have the person that you're kind of friendly with, right? Maybe it's even family and like, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. And then there's a conversation, right, that we're having in our head, that level three conversation, if you will, and how are you doing, and you're inside screaming or whatever it could be, right? Your content needs to address that. And it needs to go not only to the pain, because who wants to stay in, you know, pain palace or whatever, even though it's a palace, we all want to go to the, you know, to, to the destination, where's the pleasure, right? So address the pain redirect them to what's possible. And so many marketers out there are like punching the pain and just hitting it so hard. And it's like, I am very well aware of what's not working. Thank you very much. (laughs) I just need you to recognize it and move on. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's so insane how many people do that, by the way, just as a heads up as I have a really, really horrible analogy for that, that I will tell you off air because it's, it's it's a, it's one of those things where I just kind of was like, if this was heard outside of an echo chamber, yeah, we're not going to go there. Um, those HR violations. <laughs> there's just a few HR violations. And even like, I know, because I'm like thinking about it going, dude, don't know even. If I'm talking myself out of it, I know. Anyway, uh, side note and completely off the shelf. I think I know where you're going, but yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, something along those lines. Um, but anyway, kind of going back into it because my brain just stagnates. Um, there was something you just said that basically around like essentially how people stand out and what stories they connect with. Mm. Believe it or not, one of the easiest ways that you can get around this, besides downloading the free giveaway that I have, had to throw in the plug there because it does what it does. Um, you can go even further with the MRI system, which you can actually go with the FM, uh, fMRI, which is forensically looking mm. into the market research and so on and so forth like that. And the way Absolutely. that I found doing this, and um, I'll go into it a little bit later another time, but one of the best ways that you can do this is start asking questions that aren't just like, oh, like if you've seen my Facebook anytime lately, you'll see I've been throwing up really interesting, like really weird questions like, um, what's your favorite 80s cheesy movie? Like which character did you relate to when you were a kid? Who do you wish that you were? Who do you wish you were? All these things are distinctly asked for a very simple reason. It's because I'm figuring out what kind of audience I have. Are they cinephiles? Are they bibliophiles? Are they like people like TV shows? What is that? What is the kind of like area that they live in? Because yeah, you're looking at their psychographics and trying exactly. to figure out who they are really as a person. That's what I talk about when I mean their values, right? Exactly. So someone like me, I love movies. I make reference to it in my copy. It's on my website. I, you know, all that stuff. I mean, that like, has a dead giveaway. Yeah, it's one of the things I love doing. So like, here's a little, little nugget for the audience. If you're looking to try to tap into more of understanding who someone really is, are they someone, you know, and what I'm talking about here is qualifying, 
right? Because we don't want to go and have conversations with every single person out there. Yes, it is manual. It is takes effort, but it's worth it when it's a 30 to $50,000 payday, right? So when we're looking at that as an opportunity, you open, how what I do is I open up LinkedIn and Facebook at the same time. And I look at your profiles on both of those platforms. The reason being is that just even though there might be similar content across the platforms, we behave differently on both of them. We share different information. We engage with people in different ways and we um, make different kinds of comments and, and all that kind of stuff. And so when you meet, put those up next to each other, you get a real understanding of who someone actually is versus the facade that most of us try to portray. Right. So on LinkedIn, super buttoned up. We are doing this. We're all thought leaders. We're all amazing. On LinkedIn, you kind of drop on Facebook, you drop your guard a little bit. Yep. Let me tell you, you go all out on Instagram and TikTok and you know, whatever else, <laughs> what other platforms you're on. When you look and really take two minutes to assess someone doing that forensic research, you get a real understanding and it actually makes the entire process of conversion way easier because you've identified the touch points, meaning what are the connection points? What are the things that you can talk about and how does that person engage? Because they will talk about the things that they love infinitely because who are we, but our favorite own topic of subject, uh, our own favorite subject of conversation. Exactly. It's what we do best. It's one of the one of the best ways i actually figured this out uh that i remember this was um god what's it called alan bob pease wrote a book called questions are the answers years ago it's a multi-level marketing company thing but it was all about how to ask the right questions to get people to answer them and yeah. essentially it's always so a lot of the, to save you guys the hassle on this because it's a bit of an old book and some of the things have changed obviously as we have evolved one of the things that you can really do if someone is quite guarded and this is something that I do, which is why I was laughing earlier when you were talking about like how are you can change differently. I'm very much the same consistently throughout my entire life. And I'm that guy that gets people to open up on who they are. Like the barista at Starbucks, like, how are you today? And they're like, actually this person cares, I'm gonna tell them. Um, and I'll even tell you guys a fun little way of like breaking the ice with people in real life situations and how that affects your copy in a second. If that's cool and you can't, I will Absolutely. share that. So I'd love to know how you guys do that too. Um, because Apple has a very interesting way of doing that. But anyway, going back to it, what you do is you build up a situation where you're talking about them and asking them about what they want without seeming pushy. Mm, and or salesy, if, yeah. Yeah, if someone has that, the best way you open that door is by opening up something about yourself around that realm. So it could be, I'm slightly embarrassed about, well, I was embarrassed about the whole thing, like, you know, um, getting my own positioning out there in a certain way so I would get my voice out there. I could have asked you that question. You can be like, yeah, I'll just give you an answer. It's fine. But I also know everyone else here wouldn't open up like listening or even Kat wouldn't open up on who she is. Maybe she would because she's a very open person. But like, unless I opened up first, yeah. it takes a second. And the cool thing with Kat is we both kind of have this back and forth. So it works. But when it's new people, first, open up to your audience. You kind of have to offer you. yourself as tribute first. Yes. Being like, hey, Thank I'm you. a safe person and let me show you my vulnerability. It's kind of like, oh, I'm going to hate this analogy. Yeah. I was going to say cats, but when an animal like dogs or whatever, show you their belly, right? Like the most vulnerable place on your body is your belly. Why? Because that's where all your major organs are, especially yeah. on an animal, right? So like to hide, they'll show you their back, they'll protect themselves. So when someone shows you their belly, you're willing to rub it. <laughs> analogy has gone south. But when you're demonstrating that vulnerability, what you're, you're creating is a safe place. 
Yes. Right. And the safe place is where people are willing to be themselves because so much of the world is unsafe. And so we all put on our guard. So how do you bring someone? And this is not manipulation, right? This is not how do you get someone to buy from you? It's how do you get someone to neutral? How do you get to someone to a place where they're not in a reactive mode? And then you can have a conversation and they themselves as an intelligent and capable human being can then continue to make buying decisions, which isn't just here's my credit card, but hey, let's keep talking, right? That's what we're trying to do is bring them down to neutral, not into a place where we're pushing our agenda on someone. Yeah, because basically you end up in a telephone booth fight more than anything else. And it's like, so this is something that I've talked about in my personal life as well. And it's on Facebook and anyone that's friends with me can see this a lot of the conversation I have is neutral. It's because I'm trying to just bring my audience to a place of joy and calmness. Mm. And then when I really open up with any kind of, like the thing that happened um, in May, where I just went off because I was so pissed off someone started like talking shit about like my political views that I just went off and went, no, I hate everything. Like, do you not understand? 80% of government is stupid to me. Like I like 20% of it, but like 80% is dumb and I love everyone and thus, the term that my friend coined that I actually stole, um, don't be a hemorrhoid, was born. Um, I should really get that on a t-shirt, just like, don't be a hemorrhoid. Um, yeah, so essentially what that comes that, down just, to- That took me back to um, a, a, a science teacher that I had, like, you know, like you'll remember these, and he was like, he would look at a student and, and because hemorrhoid is more of a sophisticated word, he's like, don't be a hemorrhoid on the world's ass. <laughs> clap back that, that, that's just straight up savage that's savagery at school right. as well teachers can't right. do that anymore like no no they don't have but... that sass anymore. <laughs> but um no, i have a teacher with sass anyway what i was gonna say was it's, it's crazy because like um yeah so that whole that whole post was brought out the whole reason i could have that kind of conversation with people is people knew right after that post oh this person is just very easy to talk to you can have any kind of conversation with him I have my own personal views and stuff and I'll argue them all day long, but I'm an open door to have conversation because believe it or not, at the end of the day, it's all about understanding. Like, do you understand why that person is where they're at? And again, as much as I want to believe in the ideal fucking world, don't kid yourself, live in the fucking reality we live in and start changing the system from here. Don't go into like, I'm going to build a new thing over there. No, ain't going to happen. Build around what's already here and make it better. So the old thing is obsolete. Yep. I mean, it's, you, you, you are selling you, you are creating yes. those connections and, you know, now more so than ever. And I feel like every year we can say that is people are craving those human connections. Um, and it's why when, when we see really good copy, it's that, that line in there, that's just like, shit. Yes. That is what I'm thinking. When a copywriter can anticipate the next thought and that becomes the next line in the email, um, that's where magic happens. That's where someone goes, you can sell me. I may not buy, but I'm going to keep subscribing because I want to see more. I want to know more. They almost forgive the sale, right? Because yep. it's, it's a, you know, we're, if we're talking about credits and debits, right, that's us taking from our audience and the stories and the nurture sequences and all that stuff. That's us giving back to them, right? The training, the nurture, the stories, all that stuff. That's us putting deposits into them. Yep. They're willing to have the credits go out so long as to keep in, to receive more information. And that's the magic. That's what people, that's what people stay on lists for, even though they might go through multiple sales cycles. And that's when we know that someone might be more likely to buy because you're still in their space, right? They can't help. 
And, and it's not even necessarily that that person will buy, but they'll refer other people into your space because it's like, Hey, check out, you know, check out this guy, like his stories are on point. Like he gives really good training and all this other stuff. Of course you have to balance the giving away the farm and keeping people kind of enabled um, versus getting them into a place of saying, Hey, I've given you enough. If you need more, you really need to come into my ecosystem. Yeah. Like you essentially, what you do is it's, again, this kind of goes back to the whole Apple thing. It's building up that whole customer service, like build up, like that whole, can I help you thing? I know people hate it. I know how much people hate it, but believe it or not, every so often with Apple, the way they train people is they usually pick personalities, excuse me, that are very likable. And the reason is because when someone that is likable, someone says, hey, how are you today? You magnetically pick up and go, oh, I'm actually okay. Or like, I'm actually good. Or like, can I help you with anything? And they're like, nope, don't need anything. I'm just good walking around. Now that person now knows in their head, I can go back and ask that person. It's really simple. Um, and this kind of comes back to that whole stupid line that I was gonna tell you, like the thing I asked every single retail person ever because I worked in retail, is uh, it's like, hey, how are you today? They're like, oh, I'm good. How are you? I was like, yeah, I'm having a pretty good day. I'm not going to keep it there. I'm going to keep the ball going because I love talking to people. I'm like, okay, level with me. How busy has it been today? Mm. Like, oh, it's been fairly busy, you know, as it is. I was like, okay, um, level with me. How many people have you wanted to kill today? And they're like, what? I was like, I'm, I've worked retail. How many people have pissed you off? You're like, I would murder you. And they're like, yeah. four. I'm like, okay, am I number five or do I get a pass? Like, you get a pass, I'm like, good to hear. Hopefully it's less pa painful. She goes, yeah, I get off at like this time. I'm always like, yeah, I get off in like three hours. I'm like, good for you. And then yeah. it's like, what are you doing? Chill out. I'm doing this. That's cool. Have a great day. See you later and walk off. Everyone's happy in that transaction. There's no one that's sad in that transaction. I walk away with excellent customer service. Mm -hmm. They walk away with a good experience of like, not all customers are assholes. And how many people are they going to go tell? Like someone asked me how many people I murdered today at work. How funny is that? Right. Well, you know, I love this comparison. You bring in up the Apple store because let's look at the experience at an Apple store versus a furniture store. Yep. Right. <laughs> like both stores, both physical locations, both selling products that people are desiring to buy both at a relatively same price point, right? Like if we're looking at the current phones and both having useful services in our house and our daily life, right? So, but we look at the customer service experience at a furniture store versus at an Apple store. So, you know, what is that difference? Because the furniture salesman may ask you the same amount of times, is there something I can help you with as the Apple person? But what is really the difference between those two experiences? you know, and looking at how can you kind of create that Apple experience? Because if the person is lingering in the store, the likelihood is, and you don't, and you don't recognize them, you don't, you don't talk to them, you let them do their own thing. The likelihood is, I think almost hundred percent that they would walk in, browse and then walk out. But what's happening, at least in the Apple store is that someone's checking in with you a couple of times, but in non-threatening way. Yeah. Right. They're not lurking. You just happen to bump into them and say, is there something I can help you with? right? There's physical proximity. Whereas the damn furniture salesman creeping around, you know, the, I can see him in the corner of my eye, just slowly following me through the store. And it irks the hell out of me. It's creepy. So looking at what kind of experience and like you just were sharing with your exchange, which is that's a positive experience. It's a non-threatening, I have nothing tied to this kind of inner engagement, right? Like I, you not buying from me in this moment doesn't mean that I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. That's not what I'm trying to do. I am just really checking in. How are you doing? Yep. 
and by the way, if you are a furniture salesperson and you do have that kind of personality, like, I don't know what's going on. I just want to connect with people. Ask yourself this one simple question. How bored am I right now? Because mm. mm. the answer is, I'm really bored. Here's what you do. Start having fun at work. Like, genuinely, like, this is something I tell you. Like, my boss is going to be an asshole. Fuck your boss. He doesn't give a shit. If your sales numbers go up and you're having more fun, They will what? forgive everything if yeah. you're making your numbers. <laughs> right. So what you do is literally, do you dress the part that you want to dress? Are your sleeves rolled down or are these sleeves rolled up? Do you have, like, a shirt on? And Because the thing is, no offense to Patton Oswalt, because I fucking love Patton Oswalt. But Patton Oswalt could play a perfect, like just salesperson like you just see him like slumped over a little bit stretched out shirt really not enjoying himself defeated the yeah the khaki <laughs> pants the whole lot he does it so well and i love i, I fucking love Patton oswald he's one of my favorite comics and fun fact he was also in zoolander as the uh cameraman the photographer who gets uncredited so fun little fact i found that out the hard way i was like that's Patton oswald anyway um but the reason i bring him up is like imagine that person in your head Versus, say, Jim from the office. Mm. Jim from the office on a used, like, on a furniture sales floor versus Pat and Oswald. Who do you think is going to take home the, like, of course he's going to take it home. Don't be a Dwight. Dwight is scary. Dwight's a bit too much. Like, he's like those two Dwight combined. hit his numbers, though, but he did, hyper-aggressive. But hyper-aggressive. Not a good, like, not a friendly place. Maybe he's great with his customers. Who knows? But what I'm getting at is. Um, well, you know, let's look at Pam. Pam's yeah. likable. Pam isn't aggressive. Pam didn't hit her numbers, right? Like Pam kind of rode Jim's coattails. Love the office, have multiple shirts. Just let me just say, but if we're assessing personality styles, right? Like there are so many people who fall under the the concept of if I build it, they will come because that's what is getting sold online, right? If you build it, build the funnel, build a, you know, start a Facebook group. You're only one funnel away. You're only one this away. You're you're always one something away until you're not. The only one thing you're away from legitimately, and I will hawk this till the day i die because it's fucking proof you're only one sales letter away okay and if you want to know what that fucking means print one out go drop one off in your neighborhood and you'll make money that's how easy a sales letter is that's the only one of anything that you will ever need which is why it's considered the master fucking skill Hmm. but traffic is fucking complimentary as hell you need to know how to get people there it's a balance right you gotta understand you can't hyper focus again it's it's like everything in life you And, and where you're not, I mean, and why we have, we have clients, which is find the areas that you're not good in and outsource and don't be afraid to get the outsourcing help or the support. I see a lot of people, you know, looking at the costs and they don't really understand their value in terms of time. Yep. Right. Like, yeah, you're paying someone, let's say 150, 200 bucks for an email or whatever it is, but how long would it take you to write it? And what could you do in that time instead? And also, is it your skill set? Yeah, like, and like, the less skills, the less, the less, the less strong, <laughs> the, the least strong you are in it, the, le- the more time you're going to end up spending and wasting, honestly, and trying to do it and probably still not get as good of a result. But, you know, those are self-promotion kind of comments, but which is true. looking at that. No, it's true, though. Like, you're fucking fantastic at what you do, which is the whole reason why your clients come to you. And like, um, so to give you guys an idea, when I was writing email copy for clients, I was charging upwards of like 750 to a thousand bucks an email. And people were looking like, how could you charge so much? It's like, how could I charge so little? Mm. Because what they've got an email, like one of my clients years ago, I wrote an email, I wrote an email sequence for them 
in one night, seven emails, produced $28,000 a month by the end of that week. But that's the difference though, right? Is there's responsibility on your side to get results. There are people yes. out there who are very much willing to charge high ticket, but don't actually take responsibility oh in gosh. terms of delivery. That's don't my even. issue. That's that's everyone with a fucking ethical compass's issue. Me, you, it's why we get, guys, this is my biggest gripe with anyone that says they're a copywriter. It's like, no, you're fucking not. You can't charge A-list fees and be a C, like not even C-class. You're basically you have to deliver F. on results. Yes, yeah. you, there are so many things that you can, you're not in control of, right? Yeah. But there are so many things that you are. So the guarantee really aligns to if this person, if you have to really understand who your ideal client is, yeah. if your ideal client doesn't fit in that box that you've identified, then you will likely not be able to get them the results. And But you're still on the line for it. If yeah. you sold that person, you are still responsible for delivering on those things unless they did everything in their power to sabotage it, right? Yeah. Like there is a line where we can only, you know, do so much, right? I can't yeah. want it more than you. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and I can believe in you more than you believe in yourself, but I can't want it more than you. Exactly. And there's like, you, with any service that you're delivering, first of all, figure out that's the audience that is right to buy from you. Secondly, as Kat just said, identify the fuck out and make sure you can get the results. Third, unless you end up in a situation that's really, really messed up. Third, set your limits. Like you get, believe it or not, your agreement is your shield as well. It's not just their shield to bash you in the mm -hmm. head with, it's your shield as well to stop them from bashing you in the head with it. Um, and other points just to look at here, realistically, guys, whatever you say that you're going to deliver, half it. I don't care if it doesn't sound realistic. It sounds oh too realistic. I don't give a shit. Guarantee them something they can actually take home to the bank and be okay with. It's the whole reason that any one of my clients I work with, it's now like I tell them on the phone calls, it's a 12 month minimum for me to work with you. I don't care if you've only paid me X thousand of dollars. I know what the outcome is. I know I have this reputation, but believe it or not, it, give it 12 months before you test my reputation and trash me. Because it might be that it might be that the stuff we're putting out that isn't correct for your audience right now because I haven't got your voice correctly and we need to make a few tweaks. Right. It but then happens. there's still the onus and responsibility. I mean, I almost feel like every single program should have a minimum of a get your return on investment back. Right. Or work with me additionally so that we get it kind of there or something along those lines. Do you want to know what my guarantee is on any of my like programs um, that I give people? Yep. Okay. So this is one that I, this is my own. And it's a little bit in your face because it is, I don't like doing the thing where it's just like, I'm, I'm going to let people off the hook and whatever it is. No, no, no. I want to, I want to give you a little bit of a slap on the wrist to give you like you know, a slap on the ass to basically give you some spur to move forward on. And the guarantee is like, I find many guarantees aren't probably, I'm reading this verbatim. I find many guarantees aren't properly made. So I'm going to give you an incredible guarantee. If you can't make your investment back in 365 days from today, then I don't want your money. Send me your email through our support tab and I will personally refund you. No questions asked. At this point, if you've applied what I've shown you, have my help and still have not made back your investment, then you need it more than I do. Because here's the thing, I'm teaching you how to literally make money. I'm teaching you a system that works. If I don't believe in it, then you shouldn't. Yeah. And by the way, this is the problem I have with anyone saying that I have a 30 day. If you have less than a 90 day money back guarantee in my books, 60 days, I'll give you a pass. 90 days is my ideal. I have some clients that have 30 day money back guarantees and I look at it and go, I'm going to fight you on this. 
And if you're like, no, I can't really, I'm like, then it's not really my problem. I'm going to try and make sure that you at least, like I pick my clients based on- The only asterisk would be digital products, right? In terms of like, once you receive it, in terms of some of the low, yeah. No, my stuff, I have like, literally, it's a digital product. It's a full year long thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because my whole thing is I, the people I attract into my world are ethical. Right. If you're unethical and you're in my world, you're going to very quickly feel fucked off. Like you're like, oh, he does not like unethical people. What am I doing here? Or you might actually grow an ethical side of you and become, hey, I was doing wrong. I should really fix my ways. Well, I mean, how often does someone actually truly, honestly, ask for their money back? Very rarely. And if they do, it's like you exactly like you said, which is they clearly need the money more than than you do. And I'm fine. I'm okay. I can handle refunds if that's the thing that ends up happening. Yeah. And by the way, this is a little thing. If you do have that fear that, oh, people aren't like, but whatever. If you really want to put someone's brain to rest with that, it's a, it's a phrase I missed out on this guarantee, but it's one I put on practically all my other ones is, and we'll leave them part as friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the reality is people are actually scared to get their money back. If yep. it's a legit reason, like your course sucked, like it just didn't yeah. work for them or they didn't take it. And it was, or like they took it and they went, I tried everything. It's just not sitting with me. I want my money back. Yep. Yep. And we'll just part as friends like and that's part of the conversation too of especially, you know, when you're pitching and being like, hey, like one, you're always providing people an out. Hey, do you still I mean, it's permission based marketing and permission based sales. If you've got a yes from them and they've consented, they've given you the opportunity to continue to have the conversation. And it's also on you as a person, you know, directing the conversation to provide those outs for people because I've had a lot of people who have said no and then come back because I created that and we're still friends. We're still good. It's okay if you say no. Yeah. I'm here when you're ready, if I'm the right person for you. Because a lot of times there is a hesitancy and maybe there is a legit money excuse. Like I, I see a lot of these people being like, here's the ultimate thing to get the yes. I don't want a resentful yes, right? Because those are the people who ask for refunds and the people who asks, uh, who, who don't do the work. I want those resounding, those I, I'm a hell's yeses, right? Those things that people, they're feeling empowered by it because those are the people who are actually going to do the work yeah. and all this manipulation and trying to get people to do things um, <laughs> by myself, um, you know, to, to, to force them this, this, you know, again, I, and we talked about this before, which is, you know, what's, what's your intent? Are you, are you trying to be manipulative or are you trying to be supportive and help someone get to that like neutral space? Yeah. It's like, how are you getting them there? That's always the case. It's like, bring them with love or don't bring them with hate, always bring them with love. That's the way we basically run everything is how you run everything. Um, And there is a line to tell really more than anything else. I was going to say one other thing that really kind of comes off that whole thing with being friends with your former clients and former friends, believe it or not, they refer people to you down the line. They're like, you know what? This this is my thing with service-based businesses. You can't always do this. And I understand you can't always do this. But you can put in somewhere there's an out, such as like when I was writing for a while, I had a money back guarantee in my thing, which is, look, if I don't make you your money, I'll cover the difference. Give me 12 months. If it still hasn't converted, we've had, I've had three attempts. So I always said that you can either give me three attempts or you can choose to take the difference back. So if you didn't like the way I worked on number one and you were like, but it made us half the money back. Well, you know, we don't want to work with them again. We'll take the half. Uh, most times clients got me to rewrite the thing and then we knocked out the ballpark made money other times it just didn't happen i gave it back because i didn't want to work with them yep like i looked at it and went i'm not even impassioned about this here's the money goodbye 
it's just an out for both of us to say goodbye on a good way. And some of those clients have gone on and sent me more people like, no, you know what? Adel's a great dude. Go talk to him. Exactly. Which is why like you can't take these no's personally and you can't think that no is a never, right? Like, so I've talked about this, you know, to, to people and doing my workshops and stuff like that. So this is the same with conversation. Everybody has this very narrow concept of, you know, aspects of what they're engaging with. And so I'm going to use the leads because that's my world. Yep. A lot of people look at a lead is someone who buys from you. And so they're very focused on generating leads and getting people to buy. Whereas, and, and for me, I'm like, that's like 10% of what you're trying to do. And yeah. you're leaving 90% of opportunities on the table because you're so hyper-focused on trying to close someone instead of looking at what are all the other things that a lead can do. They can provide you speaking opportunities, podcasting, other visibility, you know, uh, strategic initiatives, uh, affiliates, uh, referrals, power partners, um, yeah. you know, just other connections to other potential clients. Like there's all these things because, but people have their blinders on that. They're not realizing that there's really more opportunity by creating relationships and conversation and by just asking for the things that you want. When people have a positive experience with you, normal human beings want to reciprocate. They want to help other people out. If you are somewhat of a decent person. (laughs) Believe it or not, that's how this podcast came about. Okay. It's how our show came about was because we went, yeah, you seem like a fun person. Let's talk. I was like, oh my God, you are such a fun, fun person. Let's do this again. Yes, exactly. Guys, and the craziest part of all of this is the more that you actually do this with other people and practice it in every part of your life, you'll see how many doors open. Like mm-hmm. you'll get people introducing you to other people to go on a date with, or you sometimes get the opposite effect, which as a guy does suck, which is that they're like, no, no one else can date him. He's, he's just staying with us. <laughs> He's my ha- secret. Yeah. <laughs> has happened before to me, by the way, where I'm you like, know, why there, do you I mean, that's, that's other people. And this is where we have to rise above. Right. Which is that's their own insecurities. Yeah, you know, not a lot of people want to be like, here's the secret. And I can see this a lot in the copywriting world of this well, is my person. Dating. He's making me money and you're a potential competitor. And I don't want him taking my clients and potential clients and all this potential business, right. Of being like, it's, look, it's just people me. who like you will buy from you and you're, you could be the conduit and get affiliate revenue from other people by enabling them to buy from the person that is a right fit for them. Yeah. So like the lack mentality is one of the biggest things that keeps people playing small. Exactly. I was talking more about dating than business, but sure. Why not? Sure. <laughs> like, let me make it professional. <laughs> I'm glad one of us is. Oh, come on. But it works both ways, I guess. It does. <laughs> I always tell people writing copy is the same as dating. And I think we even said it on your show. I was just like, yep. you high pressure someone. It's called sexual assault, but still. <laughs> copy assault more than anything, if you really want to go. But there. you know, there is copy assault, yeah, right? Like there are things where, I mean, that's the impertinence of things, of, of making these assumptions. And people have conversational assaults. It's pitchy Pete, right? The PTCD, post-traumatic connection disorder, right? You, you connect with someone online and they have the audacity to assume that they have the right to pitch you. You have given, not given permission. You've indicated no areas of weakness, right? Or, or need for support. And this person makes these assumptions and assaults you in messenger. It's those people who slide into your DMs. Oh my God, you post one thing online be like, hey, you know, does someone, um, can someone tell me if they know of a good graphic artist? And all of a sudden you've got 55 DMs within 10 minutes. I had a friend do this and no joke, the person went online, reverse engineered his email or something, found his phone number and started calling the guy 
and called him like five or six times, leaving voice messages, be like, Hey, I can help you with the thing that you posted online on Facebook. And you're like, creeper. There's but a that's way to, how desperate people are. I was going to say, if you're going to go to that effort, there's a better way to do it. Get their information and send them a gift first in the mail being like, hey, uh, here's a graphic design book. I saw your thing online. Sorry, I got your information. Or really like I rest, I basically found your information this way. You might want to tighten it up a little bit. Um, and FYI, just want to send you a good book. Hope you're well. And then just like in the but end, building the relationship. Like, yeah, start off on a good foot. But not because, everyone. You've got to uh, qualify them. You've got to yes. look at their stuff online. You've got to see, are they even a good fit? And I think that's where a lot of people get frustrated when it comes to leads and when it comes to copy, right? Is yeah. they keep trying to sell to an audience that isn't right for them. Yeah. It's, you got to find the right people at the right time. And again, this takes, this takes time. It takes emotion to actually find what's going on with that kind of world. And speaking of that, we are actually going to dive into one of my favorite questions on this show, because it's about research in a really nice way. Actually, there's two favorite questions. I've skipped one. I'm going to ask you the first one first. Life sometimes kicks you in the nuts. I want to know how you deal with it. Laughter. Okay. Humor is the one way I think is the cure all. Um, you Agreed. can't be mad when you're laughing. And so, you know, sometimes it's self-deprecation. Sometimes it's, you know, making fun of other situations and never putting other people down. I'll put myself no. down, but not putting other people down, yeah. but really looking at how do you raise your energetic vibration? Because it's a choice to stay down. Agreed. And, um, I don't know if you ever saw this, but a couple of years ago, there was like a whole thing in the comedy community. Well, not in the community. The fucking comedy community is the best community in the world because they have no tolerance for bullshit and such a high tolerance for pain. Like, your pain <laughs> is bad. It's industry. It's, it's, it's a bloodbath in there. I fucking love it. It's one way, like, if I want to ever feel alive where I can talk about my shit, I'm like, I'm going to go talk some comedy with some people because it's mm -hmm. fun. Because um, they don't give a shit who you are. They're like, can you make me laugh, though? Can you make me laugh? That's all I want to know. It's the value that they hold. Exactly. It's brilliant. So with that being said, um, the, the outside spectator community, some of them were rally around, rallying around trying to get self-deprecation taken off as a comedy form. I'm like, fuck you. Self-deprecation is how, it's how you get like, but the thing is, there's some people that take self-deprecation too far. Yeah. And when I say it like that, there was a there was a situation where I was performing ages ago, like an open mic, just because I wanted to go and do it again. And um, they told me they thought I was a musician. I was like, I'm not a musician, I'm a comic. They're like, oh shit, you're the like we had one comet last no comic come last time and it was so bad we vowed never to let them back on again. But you're here, so we'll see if you can go on, but please don't suck. I was like, Don't worry, I know what I'm doing. Because the last comic uh, was going through this whole phase where he started taking his clothes off on stage and asking people if that made them laugh because he was so desperate for a laugh. I was like, dude, that's just, that's sad and sucky. I mean, at that point, you just walk off the stage. <laughs> There's a difference between self-deprecation and sad. <laughs> yeah, like massively. Self-deprecation is saying something that you know isn't true about yourself. Yeah. Like, or it's a little true, but it's not enough it's to make you feel shitty. It's, it's basically saying, I'm triggered by this. I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to talk about it. And it's actually what it's, actually Soothing. cathartic and it's um it's therapy yeah. right you're de-triggering yourself by talking and engaging about the topic of conversation and really what they're doing is is what we did in high school and grade school right we're protecting ourselves because we got bullied and so yeah. what's the best way to protect yourself but to recognize your weakness and reinforce it yeah i mean i hate to admit this but donald trump may have done that he 
I saw a comic do this. It was the best. It was like, I'm totally stealing a bit from someone else. I apologize. Whoever it is, please tag them and send them my apology. Uh, but it was, he did this bit, which is like Donald Trump basically eight mild the country. He was like, how do you mean? He was like, think about it. In that movie, Eight Mile, Eminem went on and he just goes, I am white trash. I am this. You did do this. Whatever. What you got now? He went out the side. I'm a racist. I'm, I was it? I'm homophobic. I'm this. I'm kind of dumb. And like his opponents were left with nothing. He literally <laughs> raided the patriarch. Now what? And essentially, that's how he got it. But that aside, um, you can do that. If you're not, if you're, if you're secure in who you are and you know what you are, people just gravitate towards you. Now comes my favorite question ever, because you're a cinephile as well. You like movies and love them as much as I do. So we're going to go 10 books, 10 movies, but here's the, here's the qualifier. There are 10 books and 10 movies that you would recommend to almost anyone to read or watch. They can be business people, they can be friends, they can be family, they can be whatever you want it to be. But these are just 10 books and 10 movies you recommend people go check out. Okay, just start listing them off. Yep. <sighs> okay, I can't always remember the names of them. Um, there's well, the movie. Me, you can give me stories, and I'll probably yeah. remember the names. It's it's um uh oh my god, now I can't even remember the names. So now like you, you, you ah stage breathe. fright. Take, so take a breath. Take a breath. <laughs> got this. Deep breath. Um, in. what was the, I can't remember the name of it. It's one of my favorite. So one um not this one, but the one that is uh, the pursuit of happiness. If you yes. want to talk about business lessons that you learn in there in terms of grit determination, that one right there. Um, there was the one about, um, she did the hair products for African-American women. She was the first millionaire. Oh, I know exactly which one you mean. It's, it's um, a series on Netflix. It, um, yeah, I can't remember. The Madame it something. Thing. I can't remember. Yeah, I'll, you keep going. I'll look it up. Um, oh God, like. Octavia Spence is in it. So it, yes, self-made. I love her. Self-made. Um, I, self-made. Uh, Hidden Figures is another Ooh, amazing wait. movie Same that I love. She's amazing. Um, let's see. I mean, I'm trying to like I'm looking at these, and I don't tend to go for the typical ones. Um, yeah, most people. That's what I love about this show. Most people don't. And by right, the way, so the, just because the, I've watched this movie a million and a half times, is Shawshank Redemption. Great movie. Uh, also, this the other one with Octavia Spencer. The second one was Self Made. That's the African American. Self Made. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. So it's called Self Made. Um. I, I mean, there's the Glenn, Glenn, the, the Glenn Wolf Garrett of Wall Street Garrett. just for the entertainment factor of being like the, the egregiousness of, of all the things. I will say one of my favorite scenes in that movie is the it's near the start when he's walking down the stairs and just listing off all the drugs he does. It's still one yeah. of my favorite scenes. Just for entertainment of how yeah, business just, can go so wrong. You know which one I think people don't talk about is Joy. It's the... Um, oh my God, that movie's amazing. Yeah. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence is brilliant in it. Um, Another one so founder, one. the one that talks about the McDonald's, Ray you know, Kroc. how that got all born and all that. Um, let's see. I mean, there is like Wall Street and stuff like that. But, um, you know, just for the heart and the, the, the levity of it, the, the intern with Robert De Niro and um, what's her Anne name? Hathaway. Yeah. See, I can't I don't know names. I like the inspiring ones. Um, the Devil Wears Prada, just because it's fucking like it. Just I like the duality oh, of things. Okay, no, Cruella is going to top that out of your list. I, I just watched that the other day. I, I how good is fucking Cruella? I love her as a um, Emma um, as a. I love both Emmas, Thompson and Stone. 
So the office space, just from my background in corporate America um, and just the connection to it. Um, oh God, I don't like her. Who? Sorry, I'm watching. It's the... Um, the the inventor the one the silicon valley chick who invented the dna and just a the little drop thing that you put into the machine she's getting um um arraigned or whatever she's getting her things is going up um let's see wait is that a real thing so you didn't hear about this so you need to so all right so this woman basically mirrored Steve Jobs in how she dressed, right? So she had the black thing and all that. And she led this business that basically said that it could detect cancer with a single drop of blood. Oh, so, Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I yeah, yeah, Elizabeth Holmes. Yep. Her. So her movie, the the movie based on her was called The Inventor. Oh, cool. Um, cool, cool, cool. Let's see. I'm looking at lists of things to see what other people say in terms of like, I've always watched Boiler Room, but it ha it wasn't, uh, I get the social network. Okay, right? I love Facebook. Boiler Room. I love Boiler no, Room. No, I love the, like I've watched these movies over, I, I still have the DVDs. Like I have Same. so many DVDs. It's just so which ones would I actually recommend to my client to watch? Um, Boiler Room's a great movie to watch though. Like it's got yeah. some great sales tips in there. True. And it's just a really good movie just for entertainment. There's The Big Short. Mm -hmm. again all about money um you know this is not a business movie it's a, the terminal with tom hanks great movie right like just the sheer determination catch me if you can is another one casino mm -hmm. Moneyball. you know there's all the typical goodfellas and you know kind of all that stuff um i mean i could just go on there's so many good movies uh invictus that was a really good movie I love those like movies of, you know, of course the underdog and all that. I mean, you know, the American hustle, like <laughs> how many am I at? A beautiful mind, the blind side. Yeah. Now, like all let, these. Let's go to the books now. No, I can't books. do books. Traction, the uh, big leap. Um, I'm not going to talk about his stupid books. Um, you know, the, the, I know pocket full of money. Um, just to start Wait, getting with on. mindset. Hold on. Sorry about that. <laughs> Had to clarify something. I mean, in terms of strategy about the thing that we're not going to talk about. Yes, I get it. But also, no. Um, God, you got to look over at those books. Uh, uh, Never Split the Difference, Chris Voss. Um, what else? I got a whole stack of them. Oh, um, dearest it's the julia child story um dear yeah. i can't remember the title of it um i also um you know i think that there should be you know oh, my camera there should be uh books in there for like you know pleasure right of just non-business kind of stuff or whatever it is um like joy luck club like have read that movie i mean read that movie <laughs> read the book and watched the movie over and over again um, what is, I can't even see the ones that are over there. I'm about to get up and, ah, all right, we're getting up. <laughs> uh, I guess Atomic Habits, Thou Shalt Prosper, which is not one that most people have ever read. Drive. Um, okay, come back in because we can't hear you. Oh, The Untethered Soul, sorry. Untethered uh, Soul. Is, is one that is really hard to read, but I, a lot of people have recommended it to me. Atomic Habits. 
I will say Get Rich Lucky Bitch by Denise Duffield Thomas. Um, Thou Shalt Prosper. Um, it goes into the mindset of money and just really, really deep in terms of its context. Uh, let's see. One, uh, no, not that one. Uh, essentialism. That's another one that I like. Yep. Did I get enough of them? <laughs> yep, you did. You, you hit the nail on the head, which I loved. But guys, please go check out um, actionincubates.com. If I got that right, did I get that right? Yep, actionincubator.com. Yeah, I don't have it open anymore, which is really, really dumb of me because I should have kept it open, but I didn't. Um, but anyway, go check out actionincubators.com. Follow Kat on everything she does. Please, for the love of goodness, she's absolutely brilliant, hilarious. As you can tell, we had so much fun on the show. I want to get her back on, and we'll talk more about that in the future. But please rate, review, subscribe, uh, and basically go have an amazing weekend. I hope you have a great day wherever you are in the world, and speak to you guys real soon. Toodles. <laughs>